So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows, updated with linky links to Tiki Tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. Welcome to episode 18 of Team Jack. Episode 18, the super episode, the super bowl. Do you need to spell that? The T-H-U-P-E-R bowl, the <laughs> super bowl. <laughs> it's me, Greg, sitting here with uh, our friends Jack Morrissey. I'm just so happy to finally make it on the show. I'm such a fan. Thank you. Thank you. And And young horny toad. Thank you. Matt Cohen. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> uh, just, just in case anyone was doubting our geek credentials on this show, I want to make it known that we are recording this during the Super Bowl. Six o'clock Pacific Super Bowl Standard Time. Super Bowl XVXXIVXIV. Sunday. Uh, we literally, I don't even know if I know who's playing in the Super Bowl, if it is not... Either Commander uh, uh, Picard, Captain Picard, or Captain Kirk. Are either of them playing? I don't know. Um, no, but Scott Bakula is. Castle Bakula. <laughs> and by the way, look, get me rewrite. Should it be the Super Bowl or should it be Super Bowl Thunday? Super Bowl Thunday is pretty good. That's our new title. Super Bowl Thunday. Was, when we plan when we planned this little outing, was there any consideration? That there was a Super Bowl because I didn't know, and I didn't then I know. found out, and I assumed you guys <laughs> knew and didn't care. But yeah, no, I, d- I actually forgot. I was like, Jack, can we do it late, like five o'clock on Sunday? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then you said, Hell yeah, you said, yeah, sure, yeah, as long as you don't, you don't mind missing the Super Bowl. And I gave it, I gave it a, about a second of thought before I said, Yeah, fuck it, what's the Super Bowl? I was uh, texting with somebody earlier this afternoon who said, Well, uh, good luck to the Giants or whatever, and I was like. Well, I guess they're playing then, aren't they? Uh, the, the fuck do I know? I think it's the San the pa- Francisco Giants, yeah. I think it's the Patriots and the Giants. Uh-oh, yes. I had to bring it real. I had you, to had it to, real. you had to make it real, but we're not going to talk about football. Um, oh, can't we? Who are pa- the Patriots or what, New England? Boston. Yeah, it's yeah. Boston, Boston, New York. So basically, my, and actually, this is about the most interesting thing that I have to say about the Super Bowl, is that oh, shit. my hometown, New Haven, Connecticut, there was a piece in the New York Times, uh, a very good newspaper yesterday, about it's how... a very good um, newspaper. It's not as good how, as USA Today, but go ahead. How we are literally like on the fault line between Boston and New York and how this Super Bowl is causing a major rift in my hometown <laughs> between Patriot and Giant fans, right. apparently. Right. The battle over who could care less. Okay, 
here's I think this, I win. Well, <laughs> no, I win, and here's why. So, are the San are the San Fran, It's the San Francisco Giants. No, no. it's the New York Giants. That it was is the New York Giants. That was a baseball team. <laughs> we really okay. don't. We really don't know. Because I was like, oh shit, the New York Giants. Who my uh, as I was growing up, my uncle rooted hardcore for. Oh shit, they moved to another fucking city, and I didn't even know. <laughs> that didn't happen though. No, it's it still happen. Giants Stadium in the Meadowlands, right? Yeah. Yeah. Opening of the Sopranos. Cue That's the opening. Right. Woke up this morning. What's up? That's it. Is they're they're playing? Are they playing at Indianap- Gi- Indianapolis? They're playing in Indianapolis. They just split the difference. I think I, I was talking to someone about this. I think for like the last decade or so, they they just sell off the rights to whatever stadium wants to buy it. Like early on, well, interesting. So I don't think it's huh. ever it's ever at one of the two team stadiums anymore. Huh. Ugh. Well, Sports, says. Eh? Hey, how about how about that Hugo? <laughs> Terrific motion picture. Terrific. The most nominated film of the year. That's true. Although it will not. Uh, it's not going to win, fear. right? Um, we did, however, we just uh, the one thing that uh, I think all three of us are interested in that has anything to do with the Super Bowl is Super Bowl commercials for uh, 2012 major motion picture releases, and we just which watched, do not include 2012. Which, <laughs> that has come and gone already. Yes, it has. Um, thank God. Uh, but we just watched uh, the Avengers 30-second trailer, 30-second commercial. Guys, what do you think? I I dug it. I think uh, there were only two new things, really, uh, that mm-hmm. was seeing Hulk in Hulk mode and that kind of full Avengers assembly thing in the end, which was fucking awesome. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Um, I like it. I like the interplay between uh, Cap and Stark. Yeah. Mr. Stark and shit. I think it's going to be good. I'm not a huge Whedon knight either, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be cautiously optimistic on this one. Well, let me, just in simple business terms, on that magical date that opens the summer box office season, May 3rd, Mm -hmm. when you look at this spot, it's like, how much money can they make? How fast? Because the thing seems just like a fucking T-Rex of a hit. Don't you agree? Do you see any, like... I don't see how it isn't. It's like beyond, though, don't you, you think? But both of those films, Thor and Captain America, the load-bearing, uh, you know, saga starters last summer, right. those performed, but they didn't overperform. No, and I was going right. to say, do you think this thing will be greater than the sum of its parts? Because Iron That's Man 2 question. being the highest-grossest Marvel flick at like 220, yeah. 240. Is that true? I think, you know, right? I, I don't have the figure on that. But I don't no, have the figure, but box I, office mojo. I know Iron Man right. 2. Iron Man 2 is definitely the highest grossing Marvel film. I'm pretty sure. At 240, though? I, I don't think it could be that Does that, that mean that the higher. Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 outgrossed Iron Man 2, the highest grossing Marvel I maybe, movie? I may be off. I think it's in the two. one moment. Um, the lifetime gross of the film, uh, domestic co- total gross is 312. Okay, so I was way fucking off. Exactly, which means yeah, that yeah. Iron Man 2 outgrossed Twilight Saga Breaking, breaking Dawn Part 1. But do you think Avengers outgrosses Iron Man 2, and if it doesn't, is that a major disappointment? Well, that's always expectation versus etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you know? Um... Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's a really good question, man, and, and I don't know because I don't know to what extent these other characters and the the sort of you know geek out uh, 
wet dream of of seeing everyone on screen together finally in the Avengers actually assembling means to the people who just like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Uh, as as Tony Stark. Um, and obviously that's his. You know, that was the big. I think if they like if they like Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, they're going. You would hope so, but at nobody's the same time, sitting it out if, because if oh, I'm is, only going to get saying, one. Oh, he's not. This isn't a real Iron Man movie. They're going to go. I I, I agree. Go. I think it's going to be a, a big fat hit. Yeah, and um, with any luck, it'll also be pretty good. Which is will be a lovely tonic for the box office. That's true. What's budget on that guy? That's got to be north of like oh, three, right? On I mean, Avengers? Yeah, and that's not even counting marketing, which, which I'm sure will be well north of... Yeah, no, it'll be, be way north of 100. Yeah. So um, it's probably the most expensive movie ever made once again, right? Like every fucking movie that comes out now? No, I feel like that's Battleship, isn't it? it? Battleship is pretty pricey. There were extensive reshoots on that. I yeah. Believe. Um... Yeah, the the budget is not yet available uh, on yes. Box Office Mojo, which means it's very high. Yeah, um, and even once the number is published at boxofficemojo.com, my advice to all of you, dear <laughs> listeners, is never, ever, ever believe that number. Yes. Ever. Unless so it's true. for a Bill Condon movie, in which case you can ask me, and I will tell you. <laughs> it's actually lower than that number, yeah. They add millions on just to impress people. Sometimes, sometimes the number is um, sometimes the number is high, and you kind of go like, "Well, why?" I mean, for a movie like Kinsey, like, why is somebody alleging that that costs fifteen million dollars when it really cost eleven? You know, it's because of all those bizarre Liam Neeson contract writers. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Vestal virgins and such; those add up. That's an expensive, yeah, virgin. <laughs> the Vestal one. You have to buy them in bulk too. It's true. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, so Iron Man, the first one, which came out the same summer as The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. was really, I thought, pretty effective counter-programming yep. in that summer because The Dark Knight swallowed everything up and is so relentlessly, well, dark right. and somber and moody and, right. you know, talky. And Iron Man was just the opposite of that. It was really fun. Colorful. And colorful and light. And this film looks to, uh, it's bright. And, yeah. and I mean that in a good way, but it's visual. Basically I mean, visually primary it's, colors. It's I mean, one character is all green. And one's all blue. Yep. And uh, One's half red and half yellow. And one has Scarlett Johansson's breasts. So really, <laughs> what's not to like? And one has like a weird well played yellow. leather purple fucking sleeveless vest. Uh, I'm not feeling the That's Hawkeye. That's Hawkeye. I'm still not feeling Hawkeye. It's so weird. Now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Renner. Although Renner's kind of... Renner's doing this interesting thing where now it looks like he's like setting himself up to take the Mission Impossible mantle from Tom Cruise, but he's also taking the Bourne mantle from Matt Damon. So he's doing two spy franchises plus he's playing Hawkeye. It's he's I mean he's I don't want to say he's spreading himself thin, but it's sort of like I want to associate him with one character, which is like you know Daniel Craig ain't taking other bon- other you know Bond esque movies right now. He's well doing, Bond. but not for lack of trying. Cowboys and Aliens. Well, Cowboys and Aliens is a Dream House, different, different genre. Dream House. <laughs> you know, I, I read some interview with him recently where he was openly bad mouthing Daniel Craig. This is openly bad mouthing the process of making the sec- his second Bond movie. Really? Yeah, about how they went in without a script. And it was just a complete shit show and how 
you know, he'll never do it again and all this stuff. And it was like, well, you just did. Like, Cowboys and Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was no script. That movie is awful. Yeah. Um, it really, it, that was a, a pretty disappointing movie, I thought. Huh. My humble opinion. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about Bond 23 is that Bond 22, and I can't even remember. I mean, That's we're in episode Solace. 18 now. I can't remember what we've gone over and what we haven't. But but uh, Quantum of Solace is considered a disappointment. It is a disappointment. Uh, in business terms, it's considered a disappointment internally at MGM as well as at Sony. So um, whereas Casino Royale was considered a success, I'm not sure whether that was a success relative to Again, expectation or a lower budget when the end, you know, it was mm-hmm. Daniel Craig's first picture as Bond and stuff. This will be his third out this fall. So it's just interesting. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I'm, I'm, uh, I'll be cautiously optimistic because, again, I hope that they're going into it with the script and Javier Bardem as a villain. Yeah. Is pretty damn exciting. Yeah. Uh, but did you hear the little, pss, pss, yeah. On that, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. But I, uh, I don't, I don't know. Sam Mendes always, I feel like he has an impulse to, uh, to make things sort of stylish and, you know, uh, boring. Like way too, way, like overwrought stylishly. Like I, I, I think, I know a lot of people like Road to Perdition. Yeah, I really do. I love that scene in Road to Perdition when the rain. Paul Newman is, all of his guys are getting off and the camera's yeah. moving around him. But that scene is like, congratulations, you staged that pretty thing and I feel nothing right now. Yeah. That's, that's me. I agree with you about Mendes. I'm also in the minority of, um, I don't want to say hate, but like I do not like the uh, Daniel Craig Bond films at all. At all, I didn't even see Quantum of Solace. Actually, Casino Royale was so not good. Then how can in you say you opinion. don't like films? I guess so. Film. <laughs> uh, I did not dig Casino Royale. You What's couldn't your... be more wrong about that. I know, probably. Go at it, though. Uh, Go I at thought it, they Colin. took away the... <laughs> instead, of a, instead of a suave fucking debonair, he was just like a thuggy fighting guy. And then it was still... They were like, all right, we're going to set Bond in the real world. However, they still had dudes like running up towers to go nowhere and jumping 50 feet. It was just... It was too... Um, they tried to Batman Begins it or whatever and be like, this is right. gritty, real-life James Bond. Right. However, all the action sequences were still unbelievably stupid, so it didn't work for me, in my opinion. Here's an interesting like, thing. Like, if there was born action in those films, I would really love it, but it's still cheesy kind of James Bondy action. That's interesting. And Well, here's, yeah. a, here's a weird thing totally disagree. <laughs> that I've heard from someone who's read the script for Bond 23, Skyfall, Skyfall mm-hmm. is they describe that script to me as... Batman Begins. So it's sort of like if you're saying, and I think the, and I don't think you're wrong, that Casino Royale is in a way Batman Begins. It's sort of like, well, two movies later, are we Batman Beginsing beginning again? There was no real <laughs> mythology because the thing is, there was, I, there, I didn't think they really built the mythology with the character. He was just an action dude who happened to be named James Bond and right. slightly charming, I guess, maybe. And this is all based on that first film, in my opinion. But um, right. I don't know. It's weird. I, I'm reading the books now, and he's nothing like. Uh, no one's ever done it like the books because in the books he's like a fucking lecherous. He smokes four packs a day. He calls every woman a silly bitch. Like, uh, like, quote unquote, you silly bitch. Like, literally, the word bitch is like in every other paragraph when he describes coming women. out of his mouth. Yeah, it's amazing. It's the most misogynistic book of all time. How, and you're reading James Bond novels all of right them, now. Yeah, you're reading all of in them order, right now. Yeah, 
Matt Norris. <laughs> the Fleming books. Um, in order. So you're, you've literally started with, uh, Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Where he Matt plays Cohen, Baccarat for a hundred fucking What pages. possessed you to. He does that in the movie too. I know. Take your, take this project upon yourself. Uh, I, I've never got into, I've never really been like a pulp fan or like, uh, any kind of that kind of sort of thing. So. Do you, re- reading it now, do you consider oh Bond God. pulp? Yes. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's almost exploitative. Like, it's crazy. The books are crazy. It's, ju- they're cheesy, like. Is that the general cultural take that James Bond is Doc Savage? Yeah. Really? Mm, yeah, that he's were, pulp. Well, I mean, I think that he he has been given a little more prestige as a result of his, you know, the the canon of James Bond films generally being like, right. you know, received fifty years worth. By well, the way, now we're in a half centennial year. Matt Cohen. Next time someone answer, asks you that question, half centennial, you you say, well, it's it's Bond. It's uh, fifty years. Fifty is it? Fifty movies? Is that possible? No, it's twenty three movies. Well, the, there's a 50-50 thing going on in the way that they branded it. They have a, hu- a huge exhibit at right... What the fuck? Am <laughs> I having a stroke? Um, there's a huge exhibit going on right now that's just opened at the... I can't remember the name of it, but it is the Royal Motor Museum. It's basically the... Peterson thing? No, that's Peterson. Okay. The Peterson Automotive Museum is here in Los Angeles on Wilshire in the Royal Miracle Mile. In this Indian museum is in... Uh, it's the south of England, and they've got 50 vehicles on display from 50 years of James Bond. So I think, actually, I'm probably fucking that up. The exhibit title that's, is 50 Years, 50 Cars. Yeah, I think that's Or something that like that. Sense. But we are in 50 years of James Bond. There are meant to be quite a few half-centennial celebrations throughout mm-hmm. the year as MGM and Sony try to make the most of that for the brand. For instance, they the big announcement is that all... All the movies now are coming out on Blu-ray for and the that first one time collection. in a in a I'm box psyched, set right. that you can already or- pre-order at Amazon yep. called Bond Fifty, I think. It What's also interesting, I just thought about it, is so that, all of the Bonds are still alive. Uh, no, is Lazenby dead? I think George Lazenby is dead. Okay, because I know Connery, Roger Moore. You're sitting in front of a laptop. <laughs> I can't be bothered. I have a glass of wine. Drinking in my hand. wine. <laughs> I think James Bond would be proud. Well, wait a minute. Now, now, not, I just, I'm sorry. I have to go back and not let you just run away <laughs> with this, oh, Casino Royale is, is bad because Casino Royale is the, movie. the best James not Bond the novel. film since the, uh, Connery's. Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, since the Spy, no. I, <laughs> I fully disagree. This is, you know, everybody has their personal opinion. Some people love, uh, the Roger Moore movies. Um, I, I really don't. I, really, I like the Connery pretty much. Uh, the Connery movie. films, and then and then Daniel Craig, I think, you know, gets it. Um, I really loved Casino Royale, and I loved the attempt to sort of make it a uh, about James Bond as opposed to just it being you know the interchange of you know, the interchangeable villain with right. the scar on his face, and then the, the locations, the women, stuff. the gadgets, the cars. Honestly, it's the film that um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service would have been if it had had a good James Bond instead of George Lazenby, which was this sort of idea of, you know, Bond loving, actually loving someone and then losing her and being driven by vengeance. But uh, as we know, Sean Connery walked away from that one um, because he wasn't making enough money and he wanted to set himself apart, only to come back uh, after that film had been made and botched. It's not a terrible film, but there's a big hole in the middle of it, which is James Bond. Okay, so, and by the way, I'm loving kind of that word. That even after opening with um, 
Marvel's Marvel's Marvel Studios latest were settling into Bond. How many Bond pictures had Connery done when he when he walked? Uh, gentlemen. So he did eight in total, I think. Five so, before he walked. I think it would have been uh, five. So Doctor No, Doctor No, Russia, uh, Goldfinger, Thunderball. Uh, you only live twice is five. Then he walked, so that was five. Okay. Uh, then he walked. Then Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, then he came back for Diamonds Are Forever. That's mm-hmm. six. Right. Uh, so then I guess he did seven in total if you include Never Say Never Again. Right. Which is not an official Bond movie. And the big problem with that is that Bond music ain't there. They couldn't. Well, and who is he playing in that movie? He's playing James Bond. Called James Bond? Yes. He's Why playing is it not considered official? Because it was not, uh, it was not released by MGM. Because he, uh, he basically made it. They got the rights to the book. Uh, Thunderball right. and remade it as Never Say Never Again, um, but it was it was competing with the official Bond product. It's a very strange moment little, in Bond history. Little chapter in Bond Bond history. What was the official Bond product that it was competing with? Uh, was there a, a new Bond? To a kill, I believe, starring Roger Moore. Yeah, which is one of the worst Bond movies, in spite of having both Christopher Walken and Grace Jones in the same movie for the win. <laughs> for the win. Um, yeah, the uh, but I, I mean I I have to say like I loved Casino Royale and if you want if you want Bourne type action the the thing is that C- Quantum of Solace goes further in that direction mm-hmm. and it doesn't work it feels queasy it feels wrong um like like they're really, Quantum of Solace directed by um Mark Forster Casino Royale directed by Martin Campbell okay. Mark Forrest, the, the, the thing that you have to say about Quantum of Solace, and we, we literally put this on right now, I have the DVD, is that the first, uh, the first sequence in that film is brilliant. There's a brilliant opening to that film, and then nothing hits it again, and that's the problem with the movie. Do James Bond movies always open with, uh, an elaborate set piece that may or may not have anything to do with the rest of the picture? More or less. Like Indiana Jones, which obviously was in which a way Indiana Jones came about. Of, well, it came about as a result of them saying, "No, Mr. Spielberg, you may not direct a James Bond movie." That's correct. I think I think there are three commonalities. I don't know about the new ones, but in all the Bond films, it's uh, shaken, not stirred, Bond, James Bond, and a chick at one point says, "Oh, James." Mm-hmm. I think those are the three lines that are in every single Bond movie. Okay, yeah. interesting. A little trivia for you. Is there a James Bond movie that doesn't open with an elaborate set piece that may or may not have anything to do with yes, the body Dr. of the no. picture? Dr. No. Dr. No opens with uh, a uh, steel drum version of Three Blind Mice and a sequence. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a really good film, but it's, it's before they've, they've hit on that formula, which arguably they don't really hit until Goldfinger. Right. Because from Russia with Love, which is probably my favorite Bond movie, uh, is really dark and nasty and opens with a scene in which James Bond is murdered. And you watch Sean Connery garroted to death by Robert Shaw. Really? And, uh, and it's dark. It's a really dark movie. And the movie ends with just some real, like, rough fucking violence. Okay, it's pretty, so. It's pretty nasty. Matt Cohen is reading all the James Bond novels by novelist Ian Fleming, who created the character. In honor of the half centennial, Matt. Props to you. Thank you, sir. What a great way to honor one of the world's great cultural figures. I appreciate that. I'm really impressed. It's, it's, I, it's I'm, I'm reading time. Nabokov. 
Does that also count as? No, do you guys not know who Nabokov is? Oh, I'm familiar. The Bake Off. The Bake Off. <laughs> yes, Nabokov. Okay. The Bake Off. Um, here's what we need to know: How many James Bond movies are there? Official or unofficial? Well, e- 20, even including Never Say Never. So 25 unofficial. What about Casino Royale? That's that's what I'm including. Yeah. Casino Royale, the uh, the parody Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Starring Peter Sellers and Telly Savalas, I think. And Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Woody Allen, that's right. Um, and 25 then, of them. And then Never Say Never. Um, Should we uh, watch them all this year? No. I'm no. going to buy that box set, though, the Blu-ray thing. I'm And then not that. watch them. I will, but a, a slow trickle. I've seen, I've seen, There's I only I've 25 seen of them. most of them over the yeah. years. I, not, would, I would pay not to have the man with the golden gun in my house. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why? Because I hate it. On what grounds? Because those movies are ridiculous. The Roger Moore movies are so I like he is such a panty waste. And (laughs) and the you know, this was described to me extremely well uh one time. The difference between Sean Connery and Roger Moore is uh Sean Connery, if you were to walk into a bar, looks like he could fucking take out any motherfucker in that bar. Roger Moore looks like he could say something quick, uh, you know, as quick and smarmy to get himself out of a situation in which he would have to beat the fuck out of somebody. <laughs> and that is just like, you know, uh, you watch those those Roger Moore movies and he's charming and live and let die is very good. Right. Um, but Come on, Spy Who Loved Me, what's up? Yeah, but I don't like those movies. The Underwater Lotus. Yeah, ugh, I could care Here's less. Here's my, my thing with James Bond, because I'm a child of the 70s, sort of, I guess, and the 80s, but... um. James Bond for me was Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, both of which are Roger Moore Bonds, out. Mm-hmm. I never saw one after. I did see both of those probably more than once thanks to H- HBO in its infancy. Um, I never stayed on the bus. I just got off the bus. Yeah, I remember I appreciating you know, the giant underwater lair. In Spy Who Loved Me, I certainly remember appreciating John Barry's scores. Very good. But I don't, I mean, I was super obsessed with Star Wars and Star Trek at that point, so it was weird. I sort of just didn't go there. Well, here's one thing I loved about Casino Royale is that the villain in it the is Daniel motivated. The Daniel Craig version. Uh, the, the Daniel Craig Casino Royale is that right. the villain in it is motivated by a debt. He's completely self-motivated and he's really, he's, he's in trouble. So he's trying to win back this money, and that's what that's what this game is uh, right. in in uh, Montenegro. Okay. But in all of these Bond movies, the sort of stereotype, and this was something that Mike Myers was clearly playing on when he did Doctor Evil in Austin Powers, Austin is that Powers, sure. they build these huge, elaborate fortresses. Right. Uh, you know, sort of best exemplified by "You Only Live Twice," the hollowed out volcano. You right. know, right. where there are fucking trams and stuff. things that would take a decade to build. <laughs> and it's like, how much money did it cost you to build that? Right. And don't you think you would have been happy? With that money, like just doing something, like building a nice house, collection of cars, like you could yeah. have bought anything with that, but instead yeah. you had to go hollow out a volcano and try to destroy the world. And, you know, and the more elaborate that those underwater layers and hollowed out volcanoes get, the more that sort of becomes ridiculous. So I loved in Casino Royale that I felt like this was a guy who, 
in spite of having a tear, uh, uh, you know, a tear duct that that pours blood out, so he weeps blood, which is pretty badass. In uh, the he's, Daniel Craig he's, version, yeah, he's actually wow. pretty recognizable as a in terms of his motivation. Instead okay. of just being, I have a volcano and I'm I'm going to launch a missile at. The okay, United so States. answer this for me though. <laughs> Casino Roy Casino Royale is a remake. Christina Royale, she is a remake. It is not a remake. Cohen's shaking his head. No, the original was not based off the original novel. Like the parody film was like the tight loosely kind of. It was about when you a, say the original. What are you referring to? The movie Casino Royale that came starring out Peter starring Sellers, Peter Sellers, Woody, Sellers, Allen, Woody Allen, David Niven. It was uh, it was one of those weird rights things. Exactly, it was one of those weird rights things where Casino Royale, the first book in the James Bond series, someone else had the rights to it. Okay, and then the Broccoli's got the rights to basically every James Bond. Uh, book except for that one so they went ahead and started them with dr no which i think was the third book in the series um yeah Cohen what's is the second one Cohen? his head uh, i think it's well, from russia with know, love. you just read it it's from russia with love the best the best is the uh the blowfield trilogy that's what i skipped a few ahead to that mm-hmm. one and that is uh with that french uh shigash or whatever like it's like the one guy who really takes down bond it's um I think it's a view to kill i don't even remember dude I, they're, they're and there are three novels that in the trilogy that they separate from the rest of the book so when you buy them all the paperback every book is one individual except for three novels that they chunk together called the blowfield trilogy because that's Lord of the ring style exactly and those are supposed to be the most renowned of the bond novels but when they made the movies based on those novels was blowfield the villain in all three movies i don't know which ones those are i'll look I'm it up not, right I'm now not yeah, enough yeah, of an okay. expert on the books and by the way, let me just ask this question too. Um, hello, James Bond. Getting to know you. Has every single Ian Fleming Bond novel been made at least once into a film? I definitely believe so. I think Casino point. Royale was the last one that had been and made. And they ran out. And, and then they did it. Uh, yeah. And, and there continue to be Bond novels written. By other people, there was a guy named oh, John Gardner. So? There's an, a new one by a guy named Jeffrey Deaver, which is actually pretty good. I see. Um, that I got. Uh, I have the book on tape in my car, as a matter of fact. Wow. Um, but yeah, they ran out of they ran out of original source material, except for Casino Royale, which by that point they were able to buy the rights and do with uh, Daniel Craig uh, pretty what? faithfully in terms of how in terms of how the plot goes, including the the pitfall of it, which they did faithfully. They faithfully fell into the pit of the middle hour of that movie is playing cards just real quick the blowfield trilogy is thunderball then it goes honor majesty speaker service and then it's you only live twice that sounds about right so is those he the villain the- in all three of those movies yes. thunderball he is is the first time you see him uh-huh. uh majesty secret service he's played by so the first one he's played by oh god i forget that actor's name well but donald plazance plays him in one in, he plays him in uh you only live twice uh-huh. in Majesty's Secret Service. It's Telly Savalas, and in the first one, it's the actor Charles something Nelson Riley. It's Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but interestingly, then that actor comes back to play another role in You Only Live Twice huh. uh, that is completely unrelated to Blofeld, and it's really? not really referenced. And I don't really is know. He completely recognizable. He's completely recognizable. <laughs> it's strange. Um, it but, was so weird when Mark Hamill came back right. to play <laughs> to play Chewbacca's Obi Wan Kenobi. What? Yeah. Huh. Um, at what point did the broccoli, Cubby Broccoli? Yeah. And now his heirs, who are running the franchise, 
Um, at what point did Cubby Broccoli assume command of that vessel? Do we know? In the 60s? I I don't actually know the answer specifically, but I think it was pretty early on. All right, here's another question. Um, I love this, by the way. Of the Bond movies, which is, well, I'm just sort of getting to know all this stuff. Of the Bond movies, which is the last film? You can't say the Casino Royale with Daniel Craig because obviously they went back to do the one book that they hadn't owned the rights to. All right. But in the regular sort of span of releases, right? What's the last one? I think, I think, I think it's Moonraker. I think it's Moonraker. And Moonraker is the last one based last on Fleming. a novel by Ian Fleming. Before he died, I think Moonraker was the last thing Fleming wrote, yeah. Bond wise. And then, yeah, wow. yeah, like none of the Conneries or any of that shit. So Not Ian, Connery, uh, Pierce Brosnan. No, no, no. no none of, none of Ian Fleming actually wrote a novel that sort of had a space shuttle in it. Yep. Because it was getting later already. It was in the 70s he wrote it, I think. Yeah, but it was, it was pre Star Wars and then Moonraker was done as a sort of rip of Star Wars. Right. Uh, as was so much in those days. Everything was knocking off Star Wars. Clash of the Titans. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, that, and, and then, you know, the, the attempt to sort of reinvent it in the 80s with Timothy Dalton, which was, of course, originally meant to be Pierce Brosnan, but right. he couldn't get out of his contract. Is that true? With, I didn't know yes, that. Yes, with Remington Steel. That's right. Which was a TV show that he yep. was given. Because he couldn't get the James Bond part while Roger Moore was playing it, so he... We'll just do it for television. He did it for television, yeah. and then he couldn't get out of it, so they gave it to Timothy Dalton and did the two uh, not-terrible movies. Well, License to Kill is pretty bad, but Living Daylights is not bad. Um, and Timothy Dalton brings that thing that you can see Daniel Craig then doing, which is that rah, grumbly gravitas. Um, George Lazenby, Lazenby Lazenby. It does Australian only, model, d- yes. Oh, really? Yes. Australian, not English, model, not actor. <laughs> <laughs> does one picture. One picture and one picture only. Um, Timothy Dalton does two. That's correct, yes. Roger Moore does? Uh, I think he does the same number as Connery, so he does like seven or, yeah. Actually, I think he does more. I think he does more than Connery. Hold on. I'm searching. I'm searching this on the interwebs right now. George Lazenby. Uh, by the way, I'll. Uh, is he? By yeah, the way, apologies. Apologies to. Yeah, he's alive. Apologies to Trekkers, Twihards, Star Wars fans, BSG fans, uh, and anyone else still tuned in at this point because we've given the hour over to George Lazenby. 007. He looks good. He still looks good for being 115 years old. Well, why does he look good? You answered your question. Because he's a model, not an actor. <laughs> um, okay, James Bond, he did from... This is Roger Moore. Okay. Uh, he played him in Live and Let Die, Man with the Golden Gun, Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, uh, and View to Kill. How many is that? I don't know. You just read them off. Why weren't you counting? Seven. Seven. Yes. And Connery did seven, including Never Say Never Again. I think so, yes. Well, I mean, he was playing James Bond. But Connery is James Bond, and Roger Moore is not James Bond, and that's a key well, difference. what you say, as you would say in the theater, is that Mr. Connery created the part on screen. And then Roger Moore the first person sauntered to play James in <laughs> with his limp wrists <laughs> and his... Foley artist punches. <laughs> Wapah! 
<laughs> and his 70s hair. How about the fact that it took, like Mr. Shatner, it took so long before Mr. Connery would appear, would appear bald on screen, yes. which I believe was maybe in The Untouchables. I think you're For right. the first time, but, but before that, it was like Mr. Shatner to pay all hair the way. Hairpiece, hairpiece. <laughs> yeah, some, and then he went back to the hair pieces, which is always, you know, when an actor does that, when an actor, you see them play bald and then you see them with, with the hair pieces, it's always like, Come on, dude. <laughs> you know, like Nick Cage. Yeah. Nick Cage, we know you're bald, dude. Like, is he totally bald? We all saw Adaptation. He yeah, is totally he's bald. bald. He's bald. He's totally bald. He, uh, I don't know who told me this, and I don't know if I read it online, but apparently he has a wing, and not a wing, but like a room in his home for his toupees, which is uh, climate controlled. Wow. Like a temperature controlled wig room. Uh, wow. Hey, don't we all? James yeah. Bond does. Uh, Nick Cage, Bruce Willis is a great example. When yeah. he when he puts on some fucking hairpiece, it's pretty laughable, which he's doing less and less. But now. there have been. I was talking about this the other night with someone actually. There, I, there have not been many actors who started their career who who just went bald naturally and never tried to hide it. And I think Bruce, the, some parts they put hair on him, but in the public eye, I don't think he ever toupeed it or anything like that. I think you're probably right. Statham being probably the first and foremost, like, started his career as a bald dude. He's still bald. Still bald. When they put hair on him, it looks fucking ridiculous. Jason Statham, by the way, who bought Ben Stiller's, two out of three Ben Stiller's, two out of three Ben Stiller houses. Did he buy the one that was listed over here? The one that Stiller wanted Kevin Smith to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there were three houses side by side by side. The third... Stiller bought from Gary Oldman. He connected the three. And the parents. He built lived. an underground parking structure, or so the neighborhood gossip goes. And um, he decided to pull up stakes and move his family to uh, Manhattan. Put the houses on the market. I think for something like fourteen the million dollars. Two or, of the three. Correct. That's, That's what I heard. Who did I hear this from? Neighborhood gossip and good fence maker. Scott Bakula. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. We were just oh, when Bacula. he showed up at the front door. We want you on, Bakula. Like, we want you on. Come. Come, um, Bakula. So. I want you on my show, Count Bakula. No, no, still nothing. Still <laughs> one actor who went bald super very, early is uh, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, he was always. If you fun. see him in Dune. David Lynch's Dune, was which was hair? made in like 1985. Yeah. It was the big Christmas movie of that year, I think, uh, by Universal. Huge hit. Huge. <laughs> the same Spice. Year, MGM, oh, they don't, I think, they don't make them bigger than the Spice. 2010. Spice gets the kids in the theaters. Man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Stewart's in there, and he looks basically exactly the same as he does today. Well, that's, you know, that's the, that's the problem. Well, it's the gift. I mean, really, with, the gift with certain baldness. actors. But I'll tell you who else it really, general, really too. works for is, uh, not baldness necessarily, but Max von Sydow, the yeah. exorcist, playing Father Merrick as an old Marin. man. Marin. sorry. Sorry, drunk. Well, he's um, been contributing something to this show. He, uh, he then 
goes on to play old men for 40 years after that. <laughs> 40 years! And you it's think, how is this man not dead? It's a living. It's amazing. It's um, he's, still, he's in extremely, you know, tasteless and incredibly, Oscar. oh my God, why did you make this movie? And he's playing the same age that he was playing in The Exorcist, which was made like 30 years before Matt was born. It was basically the seventh seal, and then he was old forever. Then he was old, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And even in the seventh seal, he's like supernatural. So it kind of. Is he of... death in the seventh seal? No, he is the main dude who plays chess with death. Yes, that's right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Who plays death? Who plays Bergman's death in Last Action Hero, directed Ian, by John McDermott? Ian McKellen. Uh, right. Hey, now. I thought it was. Will... Oh no, I'm. Th- I was William Sadler, Bill and Ted's Bogus Trip. No, no. Last Action Hero is McKellen. Wait, is is McKellen? That's yeah. No shit. He walks out of the yeah. screen and yeah, remember the whole. Uh, You're going to die a grandfather in your. I'm a yeah. Last action hero fan. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not crazy. I haven't seen that movie in ten years. When basically it's like already, you know, greatest living Shakespearean actor. Check. Magneto. Uh, can he can he book a movie? No. I love oh, that. why not put on the pancake and play Bergman's death in uh, in our Schwarzenegger McTiernan's last blockbuster of Palooza? Come on, though, that movie is is still it's still good. For I feel like that movie is. Reviving kids. It's, it's awesome. I think it's reviving. It's actually, Screenplay it's actually by a good Daniel movie. Waters, by the and way. the Hamlet two gag in that movie, where Schwarzenegger plays Hamlet, yeah. and the line "to be or not to be, not to be" <laughs> is a classic. Well, you remember the, remember the trailer copy from that? Yeah. It's, you remember the trailer? The trailer copy yeah, from that? Yeah. Something's rotten in, in the, the state, state of, of Denmark, Denmark. <laughs> and Hamlet's taken out the trash. I, it was brilliant. <laughs> Do you remember that that film bought uh, the ad space on the side of a space shuttle? Did really? they really? Yes. Wow. On the side of a NASA rocket. Uh, there was a last action hero ad, and I remember this as being at the time a you know a harbinger of doom for you know naysayers about the film industry that oh right. god like there's nothing that they won't stoop to to get right. you to go Movie and marketing. there was a huge obviously backlash against that film which became a, a, a failure right uh, well a mega failure was, and by the way I, I believe one of the most expensive movies ever made for its time that's a good that's I thought a good it was t- the most expensive for its time probably that's, that's an interesting topic though like giant marketing ploys that went wrong I remember reading about uh, Cool World put a sign up over the Hollywood sign Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie animated or no Kim Basinger, Kim Basinger. animated was that actually directed by uh, Ralph Bakshi was that the last you. movie directed by Ralph Bakshi? I will tell you off the top of my head in Brad Pitt one... with his Johnny Suede yes, pompadour. Yes, Ralph Bakshi. Right. Ralph Bakshi of Wizards, the animated Lord of the Rings. Yes. Fritz the Cat. Ricky Tiki Tavi. American Pop. What's that? Ricky Tiki Tavi? Did he right? do that for I television? That, I think that's a Bakshi. No, the, I love that when uh, I was a kid. So did I. Um... Yes, if Beware you're looking to asps. masturbate to a cartoon, Cool World will get the job done. Well, so will Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? Yeah, but if you don't have a copy of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Because everyone's got a Cool World hanging around. Well, I'll tell you right <laughs> or now, Or a too, monkey bone. The animated Kim Basinger Whoa, is definitely going to be net dirtier than the animated uh, Kathleen Turner in the form of Jessica Rabbit because Ralph Bakshi was like a straight up. <laughs> that was a guy you expected to find in a porno theater or whatever versus Robert Zemeckis, you know. <laughs> Who's the guy you expected to find on the back lot at, you know, the Universal theme park or something, you know? That's true. Yeah. I've actually seen him there. Is that so? No. 
Speaking of people who have lost their hair. Zemeckis? Yeah. Yeah. But he's had an uneasy hair thing going on. He hasn't gone Really bald. weird. Like, he hasn't committed to it. I remember being struck by it when he was accepting his Oscar. Yeah, his he has, Oscars, like, one hair per square inch or Forrest something Gump. like that. Yeah. I don't know that I know what Zemeckis looks like, which is really kind of weird to me out right now. Really? He looks yeah. like a nice guy. Look it up. Yeah. Is he a nice guy? I don't I've know. If he's, he's not, a... we shouldn't say so. But I've heard he's a nice guy. <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. He makes nice movies. I think Bob Gale, who was his co-producer and co-writer for many, many years, yeah. they co-created Back to the Future together, is a super nice guy. Um, and speaking of Back to the Future, if we're going to go there, we already we just did. Well, here we are, eighty-eight um, miles per hour. Uh, the, the what do you? I just got reminded of something we talked about in the last episode. Oh, I know who Megan says. Um, we'll go to it real quick, gentlemen. I was right about the Matthew Broderick fucking ad. It wasn't Ferris Bueller. It was Matthew Broderick as Matthew, Matthew Broderick playing himself. Well, but but there was nothing Ferris Bueller about it. What? Well, are you crazy? Only in the sense that every single joke was a reference. Totally, to but like n- they didn't have to reference. acquire the rights or the anything. music. They acquired the rights to the music, and that was it. Clearly, yeah. Um, and it was enough to make us sad and disappointed. Everyone got ad. so bummed out. No one liked it, right? It was no. It was no I feel like that's in terms of Internet Super Bowl fail. advertising for this year. That's that's like a notable failure. Well, it's it's yeah. It doesn't make me want to buy a Volvo or whatever. It's a Honda Sierra. A Honda. It doesn't make me want to buy a Honda. <laughs> but Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 really, really makes me want to buy that Volvo. It's so true. I want to buy Ka-ching. that Volvo. I got three. Climb Ka-ching. into the trunk. As they're pulling away, I want to climb out of the trunk and just murder them. Murder them in the car! <laughs> <laughs> How many times did I have to see that Volvo? <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't worry fans of twilight saga breaking dawn part one there's plenty more of the volvo sr6 in the twilight saga breaking dawn i don't know if it's called the, the part SR6. two so much volvo so much volvo in this movie yeah um to the extent that we actually had to do digital uh work to uh, emphasize the volvo logo to make sure that it was brightly lit in the scene well, it's product it's standard product placement no, it's been I'm going not, on I'm in movies for 10,000 years Less than standard uh, or yeah. more, but yeah, uh, but it's true. Yep. Uh, money went into that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that Matthew Broderick ad, big, awful fart. Yeah, really not on, a fan. On my face. Not a fan of that. With my mouth open. Terrible. And you know. Sad you know. Um. Greg. I. It makes me. I feel indifferent toward Honda about it, but you know who it makes me sort of feel a little not good about is is Matthew Broderick. I mean, you should have said no to that. He's paycheck. not exactly the first person to, you know, trade on the one thing that people really identify. Yeah, but him that for. is really like well, sacred tower ground heist, for a generation. Is it any worse than David Spade's green screen next to Chris Farley fucking shilling for an insurance company or whatever Who the hell that, that was? Is that happening for yeah. Super? Oh no, that happened like a year ago, yeah. Oh God! It well, was, that's remember the one where and they did the same thing with Polar Guys with Craig T. Nelson with the little dead girl. Oh, for Directv. Directv. They did one with David Spade and Chris Farley, and they did oh, one wait, with I, uh, Shatner in, in his uh, back uh, in his Kirk maroon you on the bridge know, of the Enterprise. I mean, this is because those I Directv commercials rubbed me the David wrong way. I don't. I don't pay attention to him at all. And what? Naomi Watts did one where she was like, she's was in King Kong's Kong? hand. Yeah. Whew. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to Back to the Future, if we might. Yes. Uh, it was speciously announced this week. I guess Bob Gale disputed it, but I don't know what you guys have heard. Reboot? That, no, not a reboot. That it is going to Broadway. 
Did you hear this? No. Back to the Future, the musical. Really? Yeah. Bob Gale's statement as of right now is, don't believe everything you read, but that's not a denial. No, that isn't. You know what's literally getting ready to open on Broadway? What? Um, which has apparently, you know, come from tryouts in New Jersey or whatnot, maybe Paper Mill Playhouse, I'm not sure, um, and has received very, very strong notices. But uh, Newsies, the Broadway musical. Interesting. Uh, which starred Christian Bale, Disney also, and Margaret... Um, David Moscow from Big, Bill Pullman, um, I, like every Alan girl, Menken every wrote the I music. Kenny Ortega, who directed High School movie. Musical, one through three, directed it. Was his first feature, and uh, yeah, it was a total a cult affair. He's obsessive. That makes and, sense, though. Yeah, for that to be a Broadway show, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, basically, already was. Yeah, exactly. And Christian but, Bale is but the point is, I mean, Newsies at the voice. time was a. Uh, as a as a movie was a failure, yeah. So I guess failure. I'm saying if Newsies can be revived um, as a Broadway musical as a legitimate property for Broadway, um, Back to the Future certainly can. Well, here's my question. I mean, obviously you're going to get the rights to Back so, in Time by Huey Lewis, mm-hmm. but are you going to put words to the Alan Silvestri? Do do do. Here right. I go, <laughs> traveling back in time in my car, which Doc has got me to go in. And here come the Lydians with <laughs> AK-47s. They want their plutonium. And that's the only oh time you'll God. hear me sing on Team Jack. Harvard. Uh, Harvard, folks. Uh, no, or no y- Yale. Yale, motherfucker. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yale and a big, fat tumbler full of box wine. <laughs> that's the sound of my engines shutting down. I don't know what that... I, I guess I make that sound now. Uh, yeah, if they do that, if they actually put words, I mean, I, I was doing that by way of illustration. Right. That would be a travesty, would it not? <laughs> Certainly this was. This was the worst. Can we edit? We can edit this out. We'll edit No. Of course not. We'll edit that. But out. admit though, can you think of the Star Wars thing without thinking of the fucking Bill Murray thing from SNL? So. Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. If they should bar wars, please (laughs) let these Star Wars stay. And hey, how about Darth Vader in that black and evil mask? Did he scare you as much as he scared me? And hey... Oh, no, no, it's, and hey, how about that crazy Star Wars bar? bar. You see all those... By the way, the crazy Star Wars bar was also in a Super Bowl ad today. Oh, yeah. Bar denizens done by my friend Tom Spina. Tom Spina Designs. They recreated the famous cantina. Why from aren't we watching the Super Bowl right now? Episode four, A New Hope. Oh, this is. I feel for bad. For the new Vol- the new Star Wars themed Volkswagen commercial. That's the second time they've done a cantina ad this year. Is that so? There was the Adidas one with like Jay Baruchel and fucking David Beckham when they were all in the cantina. Really, oh, I saw that. Yeah. Huh. Upsetting for for a Star Wars fi- child fan. Don't give a fuck anymore. You know, it's interesting. Expect, Spe- expect a lot of guys I know, so inc- le- starting with Spina, are completely like out of everything in that first Star Wars film, Episode Four: A New Hope. Totally obsessed <laughs> with the cantina. Don't fuck with most icely. With me, eh. really? Uh, Tatooine's my shit, dude. Yeah, I would agree. Dantooine. 
as it's as it's referred to in that first film. They kind of changed their mind. Let's it's face Tantooine. it. It's Dantooine, and then it's Tatooine. It's all about Death Star, motherfuckers. You're crazy. Wow. With the beautiful dimple, the beautiful AT and T dimple. It is a pretty nice dimple. It is. That's no moon. <laughs> That's uh, an AT and T look. You know what? I have to say, uh, flawed movie, but Twister, very fun movie. And yeah, I have no problems with Twister. My, my favorite, don't try to watch the commentary track. So maligned. Because I bought that on Blu-ray recently. Commentary track, not as fun as the movie. I, by director I, Jan DeBont. Jan John McTiernan, cinematographer. Took it very Taking seriously. it back to Last Action Hero and um, Die Hard. But he, uh, the, the great line of that movie, delivered by a young Philip Seymour Hoffman, as he looks out at the Twister, is, That's no moon, that's a space station! <laughs> Which is great. Philip Seymour Hoffman is in that movie, and he plays a character called Rusty, and he's very fun. It's a good part. The whole movie is very like fun. It's very good, rock yeah. and roll, dude. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's totally fun. It holds up. There's nothing wrong with and that And Carrie Elway's is the, ri- the rival storm chasers <laughs> the in their mean, yeah. yeah, in their matching black Escalades. <laughs> Margaret Hamilton on her bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's so nutty. Nan Flanagan from True Blood yeah, as yeah. Uh, Helen Hunt's grandma. Produced by Steven Spielberg and Kathy Kennedy. The follow-up to Jan de Bond's uh, very, very good directorial debut, Speed. Was it? Are really? you sure that was a follow-up? Are that you sure Twister film, didn't come first? That was the film right after Speed, ladies Are and gentlemen. Are you sure? I'm 100% sure. And right before the Jan de Bont directed <laughs> Speed, Speed 2, Speed two. Cruise on control. a cruise ship. Cruise control. Yeah. How fast can you make this thing go? Well, a hundred miles an hour, but because we're in the ocean and it's a cruise ship, it's not going to look very fast. <laughs> Make it go fast. <laughs> Tip it over. I remember seeing that. Fly her apart then. That was a, uh, my experience seeing Speed 2 Cruise Control. I was a huge fan of Speed, uh-huh. uh, the original. Um, was Me less so. My, my parents, uh, like 20th college reunion in Geneva, New York, in upstate New York. They brought me and my sister, and then there was a night when they were clearly going to get like drunk with their college friends, and they're like, Greg, party. why don't you take your sister and go see uh, Speed 2 Cruise Control at the theater in Geneva, New York, which I swear to God, there was like, they had broken a pair of Sony headphones in half and put one at one side of the screen <laughs> and the other at the other side, and that was, you were watching it on a TV smaller than your living room's. And, um, and when that that cruise ship barreled into Montego or whatever, it it did not have much of an impact at all. Nonetheless, you were glued to your seats, you and your sister. I loved that. By what? By a steaming hot wad of cum. I love that. <laughs> steaming. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, God. We've, By the way, we've reached should we go there, dude? Gentlemen. Should we go there? Where? Well, usually we after I use the word "come," you can again. You can hear people turning it off across yeah, the country. Click, click, click. That's what that sound is. How about that school teacher? Oh God, that's where you want to go, Jack. <laughs> okay, put it, put it in context. <laughs> put it in context. For those of you who haven't read, well, it was front page news in the L.A. Times this past week, and I was the one to break it to Yolan, who had somehow week. Slow missed news it. News week, despite the fact that Greg Yolan sends me the best emails. Um. There was a school teacher, elementary school teacher in what, Orange County, San Diego County, or Southern Los Angeles? I think it's LA County, Southern LA County. Um, who had, was so funny watching Anderson Cooper not say what the charges were on CNN this week. 
That's basically he'd taken his class, and over the period of I don't even know how long, I don't know whether it was weeks, months, or years. Oh God! Um, he had blindfolded some of them. He had gagged some of them. He had blindfolded and gagged some of them. He had put dead cockroaches on their faces while they were blindfolded and or gagged. And uh, he had at times fed them both via spoon and cookies the aforementioned seat glue. Shall we say? You're making cum cookies for little kids? Yeah, he made cum cookies for little kids, man. <laughs> and spoon fed it to them. Now listen. So when so I, I said to Yolen, as I was telling you about this, I was like, I'm, I can't wait to literally finish telling you about this so that I can hear exactly what your reaction is going to be. <laughs> and do you remember what it was? No. What was it? I don't understand. Why it took so long. Oh, yes. Can you finish it? <laughs> yeah. I, I. Well, my response to that, apart from just vomiting into the nearby garbage can, <laughs> was that I really don't understand how it's t- 2012. School teachers have been around for hundreds of years, really, at this point, in some form or another. And it's taken this long for one of those motherfuckers to figure out that you can feed kids your cum. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you are a sick motherfucker, and let's face it, there are a lot of them out there. There is no shortage of sick people out there. Yeah. Uh, that seems like something that's like a no-brainer. All I have to do is become a school teacher, which, and they'll basically take anybody to be a school teacher, and I can feed children my semen. That's like win-win, you know? So as I was telling, as I was telling Adam Cook. Terrible. As I was telling Adam Cook the story, I, I think, and I don't even know whether this is accurate or not, but one of the things I said was, oh, so he blindfolded them at one point and said, you know, we're going to have a, a taste, taste tasting, test. a yeah. taste test, kids, or something like that. And Adam Cook's reaction, Adam Cook's reaction is, well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll edit this out. This is going to go on for 45 minutes. <laughs> Adam, Adam Cook's reaction. <laughs> His reaction was giggling. Okay, ready, ready, ready. Adam Cook's reaction was, "Oh no." Well, I don't understand why they're not invest- investigating the parents of the kid who, <laughs> who guessed it right. <laughs> <laughs> guessed it right. <laughs> that's yeah, that's really good. That's Ooh, is that come? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> and by the way, in case there was any doubt that this that eighteen episodes in oh. we haven't earned our we haven't earned our right to be on Kevin's Yes, here we are talking about radio <laughs> digesting semen. There's we deserve our smodcast. Um, I mean, listen, it, it really, this is the only thing that that, in my estimation, could make going to middle school worse than it already was. <laughs> it's like, how do you make middle school worse than being humiliated and like having to deal with all those awful children? I guess drinking semen. I guess that makes it worse. Technically. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Super Bowl, indeed. What, Super Bowl what, what will Pedo Bear have to say 
at 4chan. At 4chan. <laughs> well, well, Ben Bear. You know, there's got to be some sort of. I mean, oh, are you kidding? <laughs> this was something that I I managed to block out of my my news reading, you know, periphery all week until Jack made sure just to bludgeon <laughs> me with it. Well, I made a re- I made a reference to it, and we will not discuss the context for yeah, that reference. I'm not even but going to. You didn't take the bait, and I was just like, dude, have you not heard about this? Yeah, I just thought it was a typical Jack referencing like, cum eating. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Just I, garden just variety. A, just a garden variety. Just routine. T- Tuesday, as All we like to call work. it. All in a day's work. Yeah, exactly. Nope. Anyway. Not so. It's very, very deeply relevant this week. Good times. Good times. Good times. Family. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> it's like it's front page of the LA Times, so. Yes, but this is the Sam Zell LA Times. Mm, it. Meaning what? It means uh, sensational, and that's sensational. why it's on the front page? Yeah, exactly. The giant. Well, I think, you know, the guy is in jail right now on a $23 million bail. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm down. I don't know to what degree it's been, that. it's been exaggerated. Who, Clearly, the who, district Otis, attorney is somewhat interested. Otis Spunkmeyer? <laughs> exactly. Hey, come on, guys. come on! You know you want to do it. Giant- That's not funny. The Spunkmeyers have a long and delicious, <laughs> delicious legacy in this country, and not, for you to I'm not slightly unrelated to the story, but I uh, watched Paradise Lost three this week. Oh, how is uh, it? Have you guys watched it? No. Yeah, it's good. I liked it. I'm waiting for the Peter Jackson one still to see it. The West Memphis like. three. Yeah, yeah. I hear that's. Great. You know about that? That's like the one that's supposed no, to be. No, fill me in. Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh. Dresher. And Frenchy, sure. Uh, went to Memphis. Oh, the like, nanny. They filmed like the release. They were doing interviews for like a year. They basically raised the legal fund to get the. Well, I don't Peter think Jackson they really saved. raised the legal fund. I think Peter put his hand That's in his pocket. That's what I mean. Peter Jackson gave him not money. to buy. I'll raise it out of me pocket. Stunt costume. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and, uh, and they shot a film that was ineligible for the Oscars or something. There was some yeah, controversy, but supposedly hmm. it's great. It aired that it. To do Sundance, I think well, so. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, got great reception. But you know, if I were pick up or who, not, is Joe Berlinger, the guy who had done <clears throat> Paradise Lost one through three, yes, and, and then and directed by the way, uh, Blair Witch two, Book Blair of Witch Shadows. two. We've we've mentioned him before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and and then after I've done two documentaries already about these kids, and then the Hobbit guy shows up to do a documentary, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, dude, oh. I've been here. I've been here for 10 years covering yeah. this story and all of a sudden you walk in and want to make your own documentary about it. I would I would frankly say go back to uh King Kong and the Lovely Bones and leave this shit to me. I'm sure West Memphis 3 is very good, but I would be pissed off if I were Joe Berlinger. Yeah. Well, he probably is. Yeah. Well, Regardless, I'm, I'm Paradise, still excited to see Paradise 3. Like the first two Paradise Lost installments just aired on HBO, which were all three of them. Purgatory. I feel like it's Revelations, okay. isn't it? Yeah, it's Paradise Lost, Paradise Lost Two, Purgatory. One of them is Purgatory. I think. Purgatory. I think that's number two. No, I think this one is Purgatory. Maybe. Um, one no, of the second one is Revelations. One the second one is Revelations Purgatory. because you find out all the shit about the fucking the, stepdad with the, the knife stepdad, and right? Who they shit. now think actually didn't. They don't think he did yeah, it now. The, the guy that they sort of think now. We should. I don't know. Should we? Be don't, well, don't give it away because I, guy, I really do want to see it. The most. Probably the single most interesting moment in this documentary is when they get John Douglas, who was like the head of the FBI's sort of serial killer profiling unit for 25 years and who must consider to be something of an expert in the field. He was the basis for the the character in Manhunter. 
That's which correct. is the the book, or I'm sorry, in Red Dragon, which is the book which became Red Dragon and Manhunter and, and Silence of the, the Lambs, yada yada yada. Electric Robert trilogy Harris. written by Thomas Harris. Thomas Harris. Um, but uh, Douglas is is hired and uh, goes down to West, West Memphis, wades through all of the evidence. I'm sure he went out to the crime scene. Um, looks at all the DNA material that's left over and basically weighs in with his uh, expert opinion on the subject, which is that... They did it. <laughs> uh, the person who was responsible for the murders of those three boys knew those boys. It was not a serial killer who was passing through... Uh, not a serial, kill- a serial killing... 18-wheeler driver who was passing through the adjacent truck wash or 24-hour truck stop. But in fact, this was a crime uh, committed by someone who more than likely wanted to punish these three kids and who was very, very familiar with these three kids. And I think uh, Paradise, Paradise Lost 3 leaves little doubt as to who is very, very likely responsible for those murders, who is uh, a free man to this day. Wow. Hasn't this been a fascinating (laughs) episode? This has been a Super Bowl Sunday, indeed. This has been a crazy episode. You singing, Singing freshly baked cum cookies. Singing very well. I'm not even going to talk about The Avengers, Back to the Future, a lengthy discourse on the history of James Bond. Celebrating 50 years this year. And, a Blu-ray uh, set that I will not buy, but which Matt will lend me the ones that I want to watch. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> For a nominal fee, but very nominal. Thank you. Some of, a lot of them have already been made available on Blu-ray, but it's just, they're, they're just completing up the, all of them now, so you can get them all in a, in a different package, uh, brand new packaging. Speaking just of like brand new packaging. <laughs> This week marks this the release. Saturday, remember, yeah. we're airing on Wednesday on the network and at the iTunes store. This Saturday, or Friday night at midnight, or 12.01 a.m. Saturday morning, the 11th, just in time for Valentine's Day next week. Go to your Target. Your local Target, which is probably, if you live in the United States, about six blocks away from you right now. That's right. And get in line to pick up your own DVD and or Blu-ray copy of The Twilight, the Twilight Saga, Saga Breaking, Breaking Dawn, Dawn Part, Part 1. One. A uh, New Keith Hope. Keith Clark's documentary. Awesome. Very, very good. Very, awesome. very good documentary done by our friend Keith Clark on this film. Uh, and uh, some really interesting material for any Twihards who are listening. It's good stuff. Although I, I do have one complaint and I have already lodged this with Keith and the good people at Cimarron who put that together, which is you don't see me once in this thing. You don't see me. I'm standing behind Bill. Pan. Pan to your left. You'll see me. Do they pan? No. I work how many days on this production? How many days on this show? Hundred days of production? Not to mention pre-production and post. Do they pan to me once? No. I'm sure all 29 members of Team Jack on Twitter will share your grievance. Well, I, I certainly share my grievance, and I know because my Because they'd my all like to do. see a little more Greg Yolen. 
or a lot more. There's as the case. Even if be. you want to see a lot more, all you get is a little. I'm a small, small man. <laughs> as we saw next to when you were standing next to Seth Sherman a few weeks back. That's true. That man was intimidatingly large. Eight two. Uh, what, yeah. <laughs> what was the a name of the show that giants. he should be on? Fucking enormous people, regular world. <laughs> <laughs> circus tall. Yeah, circus freak tall. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so that is coming out this week, and uh, yeah, we'll check in Saturday morning. Weekend. One minute. If you go to Target, you'll see one scene from Breaking Dawn Part Two. Yet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a scene. You'll see one exclusive. Scene we don't. They don't know what the scene is from TSBD. It's a scene, and I think two. what some B-roll. Uh, you'll see a little bit of B-roll behind the scenes um, from from Breaking Dawn Two, uh, but yeah. you will see one full scene, which is uh, pretty much in the format that it will probably be in during the release. So. Has that scene been locked? Is that scene? I don't believe locked? it's been officially locked, but uh, but it's close. So right. So at the very least, you'll you'll have seen a, a slightly alternate version of it, which yeah, work is, in progress, but but which is pretty much finished. So, version of that scene. So, so that's it. it. Episode 18. I just want to give a special shout out to listener Bart Scott, who uh, always writes uh, awesome uh, message to, messages to me, um, having listened to the <laughs> episodes. This Sh- guy's awesome. Again. By the way, Bart. he loved the uh, Jurassic Park reference that we uh, dropped in, I think, last week's episode or whatever. Anybody who takes the time to like write in and say like, "I love this reference" or that reference, awesome. Bart, we're coming for you, Bart. Exactly. Um, episode eighteen on Twitter, team underscore Jack or Jack underscore Morrissey, M O R R I S S E Y. Matt Cohen is Camel Toad. Oh wait a minute, wait word. before we end. Do you guys want to guess who just won the Super Bowl? I I follow. I'm on Twitter, Mo. I know. Oh okay. You I'm guess. On Twitter you too, guess. But I'm I know. Any I know. fucking attention. It's the Giants. the Giants. Yep. New York Giants. What do Giants. I win? Well, a podcast in the can. Good night, folks. <laughs> Good for my Uncle John. Um, so that's it. It's episode 18. It's Super Bowl Thunday. Super Bowl. Greg Yolen also on Twitter. Barely. Greg Yolen, all one word. I know, but I uh, I sent you a few tweets. You and Matt a few tweets earlier today. Thanks, guys. You'll never see them. And I guess that's it. Until next week, by which time you'll all have your copies of... Uh, Breaking the Dawn Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 on Blu-ray and DVD. Cheers! Cheers.